today our groundbreaking day forever changes our church. Generations from now will remember this day as the day the people of God invested in something that would outlive themselves, something that would make an impact in eternity. You don't have to be around the chapel for long to realize it's a very special place. The work of God in our midst has been breathtakingly miraculous, and each person who walks through these doors says something similar. It's warm, it's friendly, and there's something difficult to describe that happens in our midst as we gather. It's the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, so lavishly and generously pouring himself out in our midst and in our hearts, never to be the same. We've seen things realized that others can only dream of. Like a kite caught in a hurricane, we are caught in his grace. Along the way we've grown, he sent some very special people to be part of our fold. We added a service, and then another one, and then another one. We've added more locations. We've had to get creative with parking. We sit nice and close. And with each change, the chapel has flexed and adapted. None of these changes in course ever dampen the excitement of the people of God who keep showing up ready to experience the presence of God. And so we started to dream. What could it look like to make more space, to remove the distraction of fitting like sardines in every single corner of this building because we have utilized every fathomable space? We dreamed of families who were far away from God, hurting and broken, just waiting to hear there is a God who has loved them since the foundation of the world. And that love is so immense, he's launched a plan to rescue them from themselves. We want them to find the community that will welcome them with open arms. So we began a journey to make more space. And if you looked at what you could see with your human eyes, you'd see wars and inflation and an unsettling national climate. And yet God continued to speak about what he planned to do next. Because he is a God who is always creating and innovating and doing a new thing. Now, we did have a few tell us that this is never going to work. They said we didn't explain it right. They pointed out that our timing was all wrong. People aren't going to give with inflation rising the way it is. And I'm not going to lie, we were discouraged for a day or maybe two. But we knew this was not the time to take cover. This was the time to take ground. And as we watched our community respond with overwhelming enthusiasm and faith, we realized something. Those people, those naysayers, underestimated two very important things. One, they had no idea the depth of the heart that the people who make up this body called the chapel possess. You are consistent. You are loving, encouraging, and accepting. You are the hands and feet of Christ. You understand how to take the authority given you and you war the heavenlies against an enemy who wants to see God's kingdom fail, not on your watch. You lead the way in serving, in giving, and in sacrificing for something bigger than yourselves. You're unified, and where brothers and sisters dwell in unity, blessing is there. And two, they underestimated a God who parts the waters a God who keeps his promises regardless of what our human eyes can see. In Joshua, we watch God's people cross over the Jordan River and we watch their faith have feet. And as they stepped out in faith, 
God's presence was there to meet them. And with his presence comes his word, his promises, his power, and his provision. Let's pray together. Father, today we take a step that will make us never the same again. We're taking a step onto the water and we know your presence will be with us. You are the architect and the builder. Your word says that even the gates of hell will not prevail against your church. Would you let this be more than a building process? Would you let this be a time where you break ground in us? Today, we've gathered to believe you for what you have for us. We're believing for stories that have yet to be written, and we thank you for the honor that we've been given to partner with you in building your kingdom on this earth. It's all for your fame and your glory. Amen. you're new with us, welcome to the chapel. What a joy to have you with us. And uh, can we thank our choir today? What a great joy to have choir with us. Thankful for what God's doing. If you're new with us today, welcome to the chapel. It's a different kind of day. And so we've got a few things a little bit different um, because uh, today is a day we get to celebrate breaking ground. Come on, somebody. We are breaking ground and building a building in Midlothian. And uh, in fact, tonight at 4.30, we'll have a special uh, sort of sacred service where we'll dig dirt and pray over the land. And we'll do that outside. And we got some fun elements as well, inflatables and coffee. And we'll do, we'll do just a time of worship and dedication tonight. But we wanted to really spend the whole day preparing what God's wants to do in our church family. And so that's our heart today. Um, tell you a little bit about the story of where we've been. Tell you a little bit about the story of where we're going and, uh, and share some vision of what the Lord will do. Let's pray together. So Father, come into this place as we already sense your presence. Come into this elementary school. Come into our, the chapel in Richmond. Come in in Midlothian. Come in in the men and women at Chesterfield County Jail and every correctional facility. All of us united together for your word. And we say, would you speak to us? Would you talk to us? Would you transform us by your word? For we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. Well, today is a day we're calling Groundbreaking Sunday. And we started a journey a year and a half ago we called Next, which was to make space for what God was doing next in our church family. And uh, you've been so faithful, so generous, so all in up to this point. And now it's time to make a mess and knock, and knock things down and build things up and make space to allow more people to worship in a new auditorium, to renovate our kids' space, allow us to, to disciple people better, make offices. We got the church staff sort of sitting in every corner of the lobby and all that. And so all of that is a journey that we begin today in a, in a physical sense. And so we wanted to highlight that and share a little bit about the vision. And, and I'm the kind of guy who loves new things. Come on, where are the, I love new things, people, come on. And, uh, but I married a, a woman who likes to save some things. And her mom, my mother-in-law, saves everything, y'all, okay? I mean, I've seen her take peas. There'll be like 14 left. And she has a Rubbermaid I didn't even know they make. It's like, it's like, I'm like, what are you doing? And I was like, just that's one bite. Come on, just like take one for the team. Come on. Where are the people that you like to save things? Come on, you're sentimental. Come on. Okay, we'll pray for you after service. Uh, 
but I remember anytime you move or transition, there are changes that happen in your life. And uh, I'll never forget when Katie and I were just finished seminary in Birmingham, Alabama. We were moving to New York, and our firstborn daughter, Hallie, was about six months old. And we were driving. I was trying to make good time. I like to make good time. If anybody want to make good time, I like to make good time. You know, it's like I put the app on, and then it's a competition between me and the app. And and um, and I remember my, I had Hallie with me at one of the stops and Katie was driving another vehicle and our daughter started to cry and I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to stop. I said, how long can I keep stopping with this six-month-old? And I noticed we had a ketchup packet in the uh, seat next to me. And so I, I opened it a little, just spread a little ketchup on my finger and reached into the back seat. And I put it on the roof of her mouth and she stopped crying. And I said, this is incredible. And... Uh, a minute later, she started crying. I did this for about two hours. You know, I went through two packs, and I thought, this is, I'm a genius. I'm going to write a book, you know. And uh, so that night, we're at the hotel, and uh, Katie's holding her, and all of a sudden, she throws up, and, and she goes, oh, my gosh. There's internal bleeding, because it's just red everywhere, you know. And I said, no, I don't, I think she's fine. And she said, no, Bram, we got to take her to the ER right now. Do you see this? And I said, I don't think, I don't, I don't think it's that. And she's like, well, what else could it be? And I said, I don't know, but I, I feel, I feel fine. And she's like, you're crazy. I've never seen anything like this in my life. And how many know I had a moment there where I had to be honest between the Lord And, and, and I just, and my wife, and I said, well, here's what I did. I, I, I fed her ketchup, and, and she said, you fed her what? And I, she said, she wasn't even mad about that. She said, for the last minute, you watched me panic. And it took you this long to arrive. And I said, well, I had a thought that, that I, you know what? You should just be glad I told you the truth. Come on, somebody. And, you know, every change, every transition, every move involves something unseen. You didn't see you're headed in a new direction. We're, we're taking another step in a move together as a church. And, and I want us to look together at Joshua chapter 1. It's, it's, uh, it's really the most famous new season chapter in the Bible. God's people have walked in the wilderness for 40 years. And then they're right on the edge of the promised land. And God gives them a message that I think will help us as we're breaking ground into something new. But I want more than just a new building for our church. I want, I want, us to, I want God to break some ground in our lives. And, and I want God to expand some territory in your life and in your family. How many want what God has for you, the new thing, right? And so that's my prayer today that this message would apply not only to who we are as a church, but maybe also individually to our own lives and what God has for us. And let me show you how God says it to him in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I'll give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. And your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. And no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. Anybody grateful for the presence of God in change in life? I will never leave you. I think God's whispering that to somebody in Mosley and somebody in Midlothian, somebody in Richmond today. You felt alone. God has given you a promise. He will not leave you. So he tells the people, be strong and courageous to Joshua because you'll lead these people to inherit the land I swore to the ancestors to give to them. So be strong and very courageous. And be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. And do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful. How many know God's given us the plan to success? He says it's, it's living according to God's word in the obedient, not turning to the right, not turning to the left, just obedient to God wherever you go. And keep this book of the law always on your lips, he says. Meditate on it day and night. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So I'm going to talk to us today about what kind of people God leads into new new land and and the first thing I notice is the very first words that God speaks to Joshua, they almost feel not nice to me. He says, here's the deal. Moses is dead. Like, imagine this. You're like, coach, all right, Lord, speak to me. And he's like, so here's the deal. Moses is dead. Now, let me just remind us, Moses is a big deal in the Bible. Anybody remember Moses? Big deal. Let me just tell you, big deal. Prince of Egypt. You've seen the movie, right? Like... Preserved by God, his mother puts him in the basket, preserved in Pharaoh's house. And I mean, he grows up and he sees the 10 plagues as God delivers the people from Egypt. He watches as the Red Sea parts. How many know Red Sea part? Big deal, little deal. Big deal, yeah. He leads the people. He has such influence from God that he, he uh, takes his, his staff and he hits a rock and water comes out. Come on, somebody. Uh, Dasani water, wherever he wants it. Boom. And it's not $12. He's just free, you know. And, uh, and, and he leads the people manna by day, uh, 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 quail. I mean, just God leads and God directs. He, he has such a communication with God. He goes to Mount Sinai and communicates with God as a friend talks to a friend. In fact, he comes down from the mountain, and the Bible tells us that his face shone because he's been in the presence of God. I mean, he's the guy that God shows up to. He's the guy God's been faithful to. He, he watched God take his finger and write the Ten Commandments of God. He comes down with the tablets. I mean... I mean, Moses, big deal, right? And I want you to think of this in the middle of this. As Joshua's getting ready to lead, he has to hear Moses is dead. He has to hear that, that there's, God has a new future for him. Here, here, I want to just give us three things that God's going to require of us as a church as we move into this process. And I think three things God wants for you in your family, in your personal life, if you're going to walk into the new things he has for you. Here's the first thing. we got to be people of faith. Come on, somebody say it with me. People of what? Come on, say it like you mean it. People of what? Come on, people of, people of faith. And that means that God will lead us into things that we have to not only see what is, but see what can be, right? Have you ever met somebody that had the spiritual gift of complaining? I had somebody say, I'm just good at noticing things wrong. And I was like, that's not a good, that's not being, that's not being good at anything. That's just being good at knowing what should not be. You know what I mean? How many know it takes faith to see when things aren't right, to see what things could be, right? And 
And that's where God's leading Joshua. There's a whole, there's a group of two million Israelites as we're in Joshua 1. And they're, they're farmers at this point. They're not warriors. And God's going to lead them into a promised land where there are like 30 kings and kingdoms that they're going to have to overcome. Territory they're going to have to possess. They're going to have to pass the Jordan in just a second. They're going to have to, they got Jericho, the garrison city up first with the huge walls. And in the middle of all that, God tells his people, I just want you to know Moses isn't here, but God's still going to be with you. And and let me just say this, even when great people of God die, how many know nothing of God dies, right? And God says to him, just like I was with Moses, I'm ready to just be with you. Look at me, everybody younger here today. The same God that's worked in your grandpa's life and your mom's life wants to work in your life. He's a God who will be faithful, not just in yesterday's generation, but in today's generation, right? And he says, so you walk in what God has for me. But I can imagine Joshua uncertain, unclear, not sure what to do. He's got to have faith for the future. I think here's what people of faith do, just two things. If we're going to be people of faith, people of faith, first of all, they appreciate the past, but they, but they don't live in the past. How many know you have to turn the, the page? You ever met the guy 60 years old still wearing the varsity jacket? Talking about the big catch. Let it go, bro. You know what I mean? Just let it go. <laughs> Still telling you about that one fish he caught in 83. You know what I mean? Like, like how many know it's okay to appreciate the past, but how many know you have to build on the past? How many know you can't live in the past? How many know your windshield is bigger than your rearview window, right? Because God has designed us to live in the future. And, and, but we want to say this as a church. We honor the past. We honor what God's done in the past. We honor God's faithfulness. How many are thankful for God's faithfulness in the past, right? And so we don't dismiss those things. That's, that's, that's a lack of wisdom. That's a lack of understanding. But we build upon the past to see God's good future with us. And so God says to Joshua, I'm not trying to do something in a different way than I did it with Moses. The same way I worked with Moses, I'm willing to work in your life. So build on what Moses said. Build on what Moses did. Walk into what God said and what God did. I, I think this is what faith does. It looks at not only what is, but it, it sees what can be. Don't you believe that? Faith says, here's where my marriage is, but with God's help, this is where I believe it could be. Faith says, here's where my job is, but with God's help, I believe this is where it can be. Faith says, faith says, here's where my family situation is, but with God's help, here's where it can be. Faith said to a group of people 10, 12 years ago in a tiny building in the fan with zero parking with a dugout basement, everybody. Just so you know, when we sold the building in the fan, we had a, somebody look at buying it, and they, they brought in architects and everything, and they realized that the first building we ever started with in the fan in downtown Richmond had a hand dug out basement. Let me tell you what that means. That's bad. I'm not a construction guy, but I remember one guy pulling back the, the wood on the wall and going, hey, there's dirt on the wall. And I said, I feel like that's bad. Is that bad? He's like, that means there's no foundation here. And so we immediately sold the building. Come on, somebody, I'm wisdom. You know, I said, man, we are selling this now before it collapses. And, but it was no problem. We just had worship upstairs. We just had the kids in the basement. Come on, somebody. <laughs> 
I mean, I mean, we just started in a rudimentary way, a group of people loving God, worshiping God, and they had some faith for what could be. In fact, today as we're dreaming about the future, as we're getting ready to break ground at our Modlothian location, we thought it would be fun to just show you a little walk back through. And maybe We just got so many new people here today. In fact, if you've never, ever been in our first building, 1836 Park Ave, Richmond, Virginia, raise your hand all over the room. You've never been there. Okay, that's everyone, okay? So is it okay if I just show you the building and, t- and give you a little bit about the past? Is that okay? Okay, tell the person next to you, wake up and watch the video. Come on, tell them that in the lobby. Come on, Scott's Edition, and direct your attention to the screen. We love this church. I can't believe it was just 2011 that we brought our kids here and moved to Richmond. We moved here to be a part of the story God was writing. And in the early days, we worshiped right here in the fan district. Multiple services. No parking. Zero parking. Not one parking space. And people would flow through these beloved red doors week after week. In fact, the name the chapel comes from this building. Yeah, you see, we never thought up a cool name. It's just our heritage. It's our foundation. It's our home. A simple but historic building where the walls were painted with worship. We opened God's word. It was here that we learned to form community. It was here that God began to build his church. And then when the fan couldn't contain us anymore, we moved down here, the heart of downtown Richmond, at the National Theater. On Saturday nights, people from all over the city would pack out this venue for concerts. And then on Sundays, it would be transformed into a house of worship. Sticky floors, right? Kids set up. Portable venue. Confetti would sometimes fall from the ceiling when you're talking. soaked floors. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. Setting up chairs. I mean, just church in the wild. <laughs> I love the heart of our people to just gather and hear God's word and worship. Because you see, it was never about a building to us. Because people are our heart and Jesus is our message. It has been amazing to see what God has done. In the last decade, he's exceeded our expectations. We've expanded our ministry to eight weekend services in four locations. He sent us to growing suburbs, Midlothian and Mosley, and to one of the most popular downtown neighborhoods, Scott's Edition. And then God surprised us with a brand new Spanish-speaking location in the last year, reaching more families than ever before. All this has been his hand at work in ways we couldn't have imagined. And along the way, he's allowed us to partner with Chesterfield County Jail. We've been able to stream services, our weekend services, into their men's and women's facilities. And that's just been such an incredible blessing to us. We've had the privilege of going in and baptizing men and women in the jail. And a partnership where we've been able to stream and send our services to 42 correctional facilities in Virginia. It has simply been beyond anything we could have imagined and dreamed. And despite all the growth in those numbers we just gave you, there's also just been a growing spirituality in the life of our church. 21 days of prayer has taken off like never before. Hundreds of people committing themselves to prayer, people connecting in small groups, just some things we never thought could happen. Yeah, it's been so moving to watch people respond in prayer. It's something that we started several years ago, and over the years it has just grown more and more and more. And these last few 21 days of prayer has been full of kids and young people too. Yeah, we've seen God's unwavering faithfulness, hundreds of people being baptized, hundreds of people stepping into their God-given purpose. It's been amazing. 
As our ministry has expanded, space limitations have restricted kids and youth ministry, as well as peak worship times here at Midlothian. So you've watched over the last years, we've done a bunch of site work, cleared trees, added gravel parking, gotten some of the curb and gutter ready for our site work. And now it's time to break ground, to break ground. We're not just excited about an open lobby or more seats. We're excited about creating an atmosphere, creating a place, creating a space for more students to connect with leaders, more kids to be in classrooms to hear about Jesus, a more inviting and spacious worship center for the presence of God to visit us. You see, it's never been about a building. It's never been about a space. Because people are our heart and Jesus is our message. So God's put it on our heart to help people come to know God and find freedom. And we're so excited about this next journey. You're going to see trucks coming in. You're going to see fence going up. You're going to see steel beginning. And we start this journey of building the building God has for us to house the presence of God and all he's going to do in future years. Yeah, come on, give Jesus praise everywhere, can we? What he's done, amazing, amazing, amazing. We gotta be people of faith. Come on, here's the second thing I think God wants us to be. Say it with me, people of courage. Come on, people of what? Courage, people of courage. Four times in Joshua 1, God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. And I was thinking, is it because he's so strong and courageous? How many know God never repeats himself for his sake? How many know he only repeats himself for our sake? (laughs) I think the reason God had to tell Joshua to be strong and courageous is because he had feelings of, can I really do it? In fact, I was thinking, if you're Joshua, just 40 years before this, when God sent you in to spy out the land in the book of Numbers, there were 12 of you, and you couldn't convince the other 10 that were with you to to go in in faith and lead the land. And, and possess the land. And I was thinking, if I was Joshua, I'd be thinking, God, you want me to lead two million people right now when I couldn't in influence 10 of my friends 40 years ago. And so God tells Joshua over and over again, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Be strong. Hey, I think we're going to need strength and courage, not just to build a building, but to live out our faith in the world we live in today, right? So I speak that over us in every room, in every service today, be strong and courageous. God wants you to, to, to faithfully trust him and be people of courage, people who trust him, people who believe in him. I, I want to tell you a little something because we're far enough into the journey that I can, uh, that I can tell you this story. What, a year and a half ago when we rolled out this, this vision of Next, I remember the first Sunday that we were really pushing it out churchwide. And I remember see, talking to contractors and looking at budgets. And I knew the approximate amount that we had to be somewhere in this neighborhood of money to really begin um, begin the building. And that was right when uh, when the Russia-Ukraine war kicked up. In fact, somebody said, why don't we just wait till this war is over to begin this campaign? How many know? Well, whatever. And uh, I mean, just the chaos of the world. It was right in the middle of Omicron broken out in COVID. And we were like roll, rolling out this new church vision. And I literally thought to myself one night, this might be the worst pastor move in the history of pastor moves. Like like inflation, gas, craziness, like this is a bad move. But we felt like God had put it on our heart, and so we rolled forward. And I'll never forget the Sunday that we were preaching. We were kind of kicking this off a year and a half ago. I was sitting right in this seat over here on the left at the 8 a.m. service. And I want to tell you that I was prepared in faith for what God was going to do. But I was rehearsing something in my head. I'm, is it okay to confess to you what that is? 
And it wasn't even the sermon for that day. It was my, my sermon the next week. It was, what am I going to say to everyone if it comes back really bad <laughs> and we can't do this? So I started rehearsing all the reasons, like my, my defeat speech the next week. Like, all right, chapel, it'll be okay. And, and, and it's not the time. I had all my spiritual. I was trying to add Bible verses to it. Come on, somebody. You know, make it sound spiritual. And I had this flash in my moment. And I had not thought of this event in my life in, in like years. But there was a time my grandpa had a camp up near the, in rural New York, up near the Canadian border. And we used to go to this pool called Clayton Pool. And I remember as a kid, it had a 10-foot high dive, okay? And when you're six or seven, 10 feet looks like you're jumping off the Empire State Building. And I remember the first time I got up on that 10-foot high dive and walked to the end of that diving board that I chickened out. I said, I can't do this. And I turned around and I walked back. And when I got to the ladder, I said, I can't, I can't go. I'm scared. And, and the, the kids on the ladder said, well, the whole ladder was filled with kids. They're like, you got to go. We, everyone's on the ladder. And I was like, no, I'm not going. It took like a minute for everyone to tell the guy next to him, he, he, he's scared Gotta go back. What? Tell, he's scared. He's gotta go. And I'm just standing up there like this, you know. And I'll never forget my five year old cousin Jennifer jumped off next. And uh, I'm telling you, I had this moment during worship when we were about to roll out this vision where I stood over here and I had that moment in my mind. And I thought, that's exactly what's gonna happen to us here. <laughs> we're not gonna be able to do this. And you're gonna stand up <laughs> and tell everyone, get off the diving board. We can't do it. But I just want you to know, we are actually slightly ahead in giving projections of what was committed a year and a half ago. And how many know, to God be the glory, he's doing what only he can do. So I say all that to say I wish I had a great story of a courageous leader. You don't have one of those today, but I do have even better news. God uses imperfect, fearful, uncertain, could God really use me kind of people. And that means all of us are candidates. Aren't you glad that God uses imperfect people? Come on, somebody. Aren't you glad that he uses people that don't have it all together, don't always have the red phone to heaven, don't always crush it? Because that means he can use even you and even me. Turn to the person next to you. Come on, in the lobby, Scott's edition here, and tell them that means God can even use you. Come on, tell him that. That means God can even use you. And so Joshua, God tells him these, these words, keep this book of the law always on your lips. <laughs> Meditate on it day and night. Look at those words. Keep this book of the law always on your what? On your lips. And when I was thinking about that, I was thinking, why on your lips? I mean, he doesn't say just meditate it in your mind. He doesn't say just store it on your heart. He says have it on your mouth. Because I'm telling you, one of the things that speaking God's word does is it fills you with courage. I don't think we say out loud the promises of God often enough. In fact, I think it's true. You can just put that quote up on the screen that doubt dies. Doubt dies when it remains unexpressed. And it grows when we question the goodness of God. Too many of us are too good at quoting our doubts and not good enough at quoting God's word. How many know there's something about not only knowing God's word, believing God's word. There's something about speaking it out of the mouth gate and speaking the truth of God's word. God tells his people, let this book of the law always be on your lips. Let me ask you something today. What's your speech like? <laughs> if somebody were to do an inventory of your speech, is it filled with faith or filled with doubt? Is it filled with possibilities of what God could do? Or is it filled with possibilities of all the bad that could be, you know? And, and, and is it filled with all the uncertainty of what can happen? Have you ever felt a little pain in your body and Googled WebMD to see what it is? Come on, somebody. 
and you just are convinced in about two minutes, this is it. I have like 24 hours to live. Katie's like, it's just your wrist. I'm like, no, it's not. It could be a blood clot, and it's headed right to my lung. And she's like, I don't think it is. And, and here's what I'm telling you. I think we're too good at expressing our doubts and not good enough at expressing our faith. Hey, if you want a faith-filled home, you have to be a faith-filled speaker. I want to just encourage you today. If you want to create an atmosphere of doubt, then just speak doubt. If you want to create an atmosphere of sarcasm, then just speak sarcasm. But if you want to create an atmosphere of courage, you have to be somebody that speaks faith, right? And the Bible says, let this book of the law always be on your what? Come on, on your lips. In fact, he tells Joshua, Joshua 1.7, so be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant gave you. Here's what he's telling them. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. The, the, the key to blessing is walking in the favor of God. And he tells them to walk in that, to trust in that, to believe in that. In fact, I think this is part of stepping into something new. It's just simple obedience. And so maybe ask you as God's breaking ground in our church, are there some things in the new place God wants to take you that there are some things you don't need to take with you? Are there some things you need to do a spring cleaning in, in your own mind, in your own heart, in your own habits, and God wants you to courageously let those go to walk in what he has for you? People of faith, people of courage. Ready? Here's the third one. Lastly, this weekend, I really think this. God wants us to be people of urgency. Does anybody look around the world and feel like there's more going on than there has been in the past? In fact, let me just say this. I think you already know where we stand on this, but scripture speaks that the nation, that the land of Israel was given to God's people, the Jewish people, and that when Jesus returns, he'll set up his rule from Jerusalem. And so throughout humankind, they fought over that land. But Jesus will, will return and rule from that place. And as a church, we stand with Israel, amen, and uh, for what God wants to do in that part of the world. And, but, but, but we live in a sense of urgency. I feel like the morality in our culture, the craziness in the Middle East, the uncertainty in the world, the, 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 the confusion. I mean, just there's so much question in the world. And I think it's not a time for a church that's on cruise control, but it's a church that senses a, a sense of urgency in our lives. In fact, here's what groundbreaking is and expanding is our church. It's not just for us. It's for those who will come behind us, okay? I think I've told you, uh, just in our quick drive to church, we get to drive by all the woods that have been knocked down and all the condos that have been built. And my wife loves to complain about people moving from the Northeast down to Richmond and knocking down houses. And I said, excuse me, that is our story. And she said, well, it's fine for us, but then shut off the tap. And I'm just telling you, there are people moving in and communities going. The, 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 this expansion as a church is not just for us. It's for generations to come. Can anybody say amen to that, right? In fact, at the end of the seats all over these rooms, if you just reach under there, there's a black bucket if you're sitting on center rows. And I want you to take, we, we put a little thing together for everybody to have a prayer point as we start this journey. So if you look under your seat, you just take one of these and pass them down. And uh, here's the verse that's on that little thing we'll put it on the screen it says let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts <laughs> come on don't break these they're glass let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts everybody get one if you didn't 
you grab one from someone later. Everybody hold this like this. Come on. In the lobby in Scott's edition in Richmond. Let each generation, come on, say it out loud. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Come on, one more time. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Come on, one more time. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Hey, what we're building isn't just for us. What we're building is for those who will come behind us. How many know that's true? It's for the people that are yet to come. And we see this not only in Joshua 1, but skip ahead to Joshua 3. And what you're going to see is that the people not only were told to, to move forward in faith, but the priests were told, Joshua 3.8, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Don't you wish God parted the river before you stood in the river? <laughs> but how many know somebody has to get their feet wet? Come on, yeah. <laughs> In fact, go to the next scripture right there on the screen. And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed until, look at these words, until the what? Whole nation had completed the crossing. Here's the point. The priests stood first so that others could come behind. Hey, look at me, chapel, everywhere we are. The priests stood first so that others could fall behind. The priests stood first so that others could come behind. This is why we do some of the things we do as a church. Do you know in two weeks we'll do Fall Fest and we'll have thousands of people in, in Midlothian and then, do you know in the city in Scott's Edition, they shut down roads. They do hay rides in the city and we got, people were like, what kind of church does a hay ride in the middle of downtown Richmond? A church that wants to bring joy to families. A church that wants to reach people for Jesus. A church that wants to make, make a difference. A church that wants to share the hope of Jesus Christ. And, and here's what I love about the story of Joshua. The priests got in the water first. The people went first because there were people behind them that their lives were dependent upon the decisions those who have, met, who have went first have done. We stand on the shoulder of a small group of people who in 2005 came to a church called Commonwealth Chapel when it was 25 people and restarted it. <laughs> we stand on the shoulders of people who rented a national theater with beer-soaked floors and a, a sound man that would somehow, sometimes say the F word, you know, and we were like, don't say that, you know. It's Easter, bro, you know. It's like somebody talked to Dylan, you know, and... Uh, we're a church. He's like, I know, but you know, and you're like, bro, we stand on the shoulders of people that flexed on Courthouse Road when we went from one church to two locations. We stand on the shoulders of people that gave sacrificially. We had a member of our church who took a portion when we couldn't afford this building, took a portion of um, the church we bought it from, financed a piece of that property for a year, and he took a portion, just committed to that in two years. And, we took a step of faith. We had a board that when we moved into this old 100 road facility, I'll never forget that mortgage payment was $10,000 more a month than we had. And the treasurer just upped the budget so that we could pass a black budget. And I said, well, how does that work? And he said, I don't know, but I don't want to pass a red budget. And I said, but we don't have the money to move it. And so every month for like four, five, six months, we just, but, but there's just a group of people that gave and sacrificed and believed and stretched and 
because of that, look what the Lord has done. And so this is our season and our time to break ground and to let God move forward for all he wants to do. I mean, I'm so conscious of the generations. I think it's because in the last two or three years in our life, Katie and I, I've lost my dad. She's lost her dad. So we've never been more conscious of the generations of legacy. And both of our fathers were godly men who loved God's word. There's something about my wife early in the morning with her dad's Bible open and notes all over the margin and worn pages of scripture. And just something about my kids seeing my wife with her dad's Bible, a journey of the generate a faith, a lineage, a heritage, a testimony. How many know that's what we're doing? We're building, hey, we're building space so we don't have to cut off morning VBS from the neighborhood kids. That that gets an amen somewhere, right? Now come on. We're building space so we can have events and outreaches and services and people not in lot. We're building space ultimately to give God the room and the chance to change people's lives and transform them for the glory of God. But it involves a group of people who say, I'm just going to be a part of telling, I want to be a part of the telling this gospel story to the next generation. A group of people who say America is one of 17 nations that have plateaued in Christian faith and that's not okay with us. In Richmond, Virginia, we have a white, hot, passionate love for Jesus and we want to see men and women, boys and girls, come to faith in Jesus Christ. Can I get a big amen today? Like That's our heartbeat. That's our driving force. That's why we exist. That's what we're all about. Till every man and woman, boy and girl, could know love, trust, and treasure who Jesus is and it's going to require people of faith and people of courage and people of urgency who say I see the signs of the times wars and rumors of wars but until this gospel is preached to the ends of the earth then our Lord will return you know we're not one of those churches who's like every day like come on you know but I'm just telling you I feel like we're seeing a world that's falling apart and I'm praying a special work of the spirit of God the move of God the power of God the gospel of Jesus Christ at work in our city. How many know we need to be a people of urgency? Cruise control. It'll be okay. Just a little bit of church, a little dabble, do ya? No, 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 no. How many know we need God's looking for a church that's marching for Jesus said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But in order for the church to be up against the gates of hell, it's a picture of the church taking ground on the offensive, pushing back darkness, hell, demons, and the work of the enemy in order to see the kingdom of God, the light of God, the love of God, and the message of God expand in the world around us. Who's with us today? Come on, to see God's kingdom established. Come on, let's stand in this room. Come on in Richmond. Come on in the lobby if you're comfortable let's just take a second and say god we surrender everything we have to you everything we have to you then we'll do we'll come back at 4 30 tonight we'll have a prayer time dedication time you want to be a part of that but we have some ways you can prayer cards too on the way out you can write down this is my prayer we're gonna put those in the ground too but if you're comfortable today hold your hands like this all over the room so god today we hear your word to be strong and courageous (laughs) And we want to walk in all you have for us. And so this weekend, oh God, we hear your call. God, not for status quo Christianity, but for a church that is on the move, people of faith and people of courage and people who sense the fields are white for harvest.
oh God, would we hear the urgent call of our Savior, calling men and women, boys and girls, to a genuine faith. God, would you dust uh, off the souls of those who have been in cruise control this weekend, oh God? Would you shake and rattle the cages of some of us that have just got into a comfortable place, oh God? Would we sense you tilling the ground of our soil, tilling the ground of our community, tilling the ground of our community and church, oh God, to be who you've called us to be, to do what you've called us to do. We love you, God. We praise you and we honor you.